Well, hello there, people of the internet. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Happy Friday. I'm your host, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Artholic Podcast, the podcast that can get you an art attack. Satan, the Penguin, Cruella de Vil, the Grinch, Darth Vader, Kaiser Sauce, Frank Booth. What do they all have in common, besides being one of the most interesting characters in the movies they play in? Well, they're villains. Alfred Hitchcock once said, The better the villain, the better the film. Now, villains have been around since evil has walked the earth. One movie era portrayed villains from medieval times, like, for instance, the Vikings and evil knights. But now, villains on film have evolved devilishly throughout the ages, from Nazis to mad scientists, psychopaths, gangsters, while people with superhuman powers, spice, and many other tropes. Back in 1975, Jaws was a phenomenon upon release. And why is that? Because first of all, it was the first exemplary piece of suspenseful storytelling directed by no other than Steven Spielberg. Now, don't get me wrong. Jaws is not the first ever movie that talks about villains. We've had many movies. But Jaws was the first one that used storytelling in a suspenseful way that kept the watchers, and still do, uh, at the edge of their seats. Darth Vader in Star Wars, two years later, provided a rather evolutionary conclusion of the movie villain as a multimedia marketing event. We have now toys of Darth Vader in every store. People even sympathize with him. We can even compare Darth Vader with the Joker more recently. So, in the eyes of many critiques, villains are most often viewed as the evil character. You know, the Satan incarnated in a story. Uh, The character that possesses all the negative character traits that the hero wouldn't possibly have or even think of. Villains are not always the bad guy, though. In most circumstances, instead of villains acting that way just because they want to or because they're bored, villains act that way because of a, as a response to the actions uh, taken by heroes or an overall environmental factor that has placed a psychological hold on their sanity. In order to be a villain, You have to be extremely organized in planning schemes and actually being able to place yourself in the place of a hero. Well, in this case, the villain is not does not follow the same trope as the anti-hero, which is a completely different trope. People kind of tend to misplace them or rather confuse both, but I'll get on that more on that later. Villains have the ability to visualize every critical step that a hero would take in order to either do the crime 
or have an enigmatic situations. It is safe to say that a villain is capable of committing crimes without ever being caught until they feel as though they are ready to end the sick mind games that they usually play with heroes. Villains play the most significant role in any movie. Now, let's be honest, we can't have a good hero movie without having a villain. What would Marvel movies be if there were only superheroes without the outlaws or the villains? That wouldn't be something I would watch, personally. It's the conflict between the hero and the villain that makes it more interesting to watch. Now, the movie, or movies in general, try to have a specific representation of movie villains. So how do they do that? Filmmakers can use a number of techniques to establish and develop characters. You know, with their choice of camera techniques, the acting, the mise-en-scene, lighting, editing, and sound. All these elements contribute to the representation of said character, and in this specific case, villains in our movies. For that to be more understandable for you guys, I will be talking about two different distant scenes in two different movies to try to understand how can we use these elements mentioned to make a villain more villainous and devilish. First example is the Joker in Dark Knight. In the opening scene of The Dark Knight, directed by Christopher Nolans, we see a lot of techniques that are used to establish that the Joker is villainous and is the villain of the movie. Now, before even seeing the Joker on screen, we hear people describe him. One of the goons says, I heard he wears makeup. To scare people, you know, war paint. One of the men even reveals that they're robbing a mafia, mafia bank and says, and I quote, I guess the Joker's as crazy as they say. Now, after shooting the bank manager, the Joker kneels down, removes his latex clown mask, and that is when we see the very evil face of the Joker. Now, in this movie, Christopher Nolans uses a lot more tight close-ups and that is used to show the audience the scars, the grotesque makeup that the Joker has on his face. The devilish expressions when he smiles or frowns, the weird wrinkles on his forehead. Also, an important element beside uh, the scenes, or like rather the, the sequences, is the score. Now, let's remember that music or soundtracks in films are very important and can affect how us, audiences, look at or perceive certain characters. In the example of The Joker, James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer collaborated on the scores for both Batman Begins as well as The Dark Knight. The leitmotif for The Joker is used to establish the character as particularly villainous. 
How so, you may ask? Now, if you've paid attention in the movie, or you can go watch it again and pay attention to the detail, a single note is played on the violin every time the joker is on the scene. Now, a single note is played on the violin and it increases in intensity and pans rapidly from left to right, gradually joined by other discordant, distorted electronic instruments. This is meant to show how out of the law he is. He's not following the law, he is here to break the system. Now, it's really important to keep in mind that all these elements together makes it more harmonious for us people to understand that this is the bad character, that we should be rooting for, shouldn't be rooting against him. That's another topic about how, you know, movies tend to make villains a lot more um, relatable, which we will be talking about later on. Another example or portray of evil representation or villain representation in movies is in the movie No Country for Old Men. Anton Shiger, who is the villain in this movie, is one of the most mentally terrifying villains. The first sign that notifies us as the audience is the approaching villain is how his footsteps are echoing, you know? He always seemed to be deep and heavy. The small homely room that he is inside seems a lot more tight. It almost gives us a claustrophobic feeling. He is dressed in all black, as all villains should, um, and then the first time we only hear his steps which are echoing and are quite heavy as us audiences hear them but then we hear his voice a low rambling voice that intimidates the audience as much as the poor shopkeeper that was in the scene now we've seen two scenes of that in the next shot it appears that we see the shopkeeper, you know, with uh, contrast colors to Anton. As the scene progresses, the shots gets closer and closer and the frame gets tighter. This is used to install a certain sensation of claustrophobia in the audience because Anton's is quite terrifying. He has this terrifying villain demeanor and so he is able to fill the entire screen and let us believe that he is the bad guy and try to fear him because he's taking too much space because that's what villains do in most movies so as we've seen there's mel multitude of ways to portray villains in our movies whether that be by using lightning, the amazing acting, also the color schemes, the way they dress, the way they talk, and the way other people interact with them. It's really interesting to see that other than the overall representation of villains, which were quite villainous back then or still for now, we've seen a lot more change when it comes to villains. For instance, with the movie Cruella, uh, we told, we understand a little bit more about their backstories. We've seen a lot of 
origin stories, for instance with the Joker, uh, Cruella de Vil, and many other movies where we actually understand a lot more about their backstories, so that way it makes them feel relatable to us. But what makes a great villain in movies? The core set of beliefs a villain represent drives his or her actions and subsequently drives viewers' reaction. Now, villains are complex because they require more effort to write than other characters, perhaps. They need extensive backstories that might be quite sad, for instance, in the screen writing process. Their lines have to be torqued to produce maximum dread in the audience, you know, to make us hate them a lot more. But above all this and beyond all of those characteristics, there's something else. Villains tend to touch our nerves. That's the essence of villains, you know, the core set of beliefs they have. It's what drives the viewer's reaction. Now, any screenwriter or director tries to create a truly bad character. But before that, they need to understand what is inside that character. That's when we talk about the ideology. Villains are real people. Most cases. A lot of villains are represented as... Uh, you know, uh, we have cases of villains being uh, robots, which is a whole trope. But the ideology of villains is that they're real people to whom terrible things have happened. Maybe in childhood, in adolescence, or even maybe later. At some point, rather than learning and growing, their maturation process stunned and stalled. Now, their roots of bitterness and anger sprang up in them. Uh, in the sur on the surface, they might have many, many attractive qualities of your hero. But just beneath the surface, there is the quality you can access in yourself and they it will allow you to see yourself in the villains. That's why we talk about the relatable villain trope. Now, let's be honest. Every hero has an anti-hero, or a villain in this case, but villains do have the same characteristics as the hero. They just have a lot more evil in them, if somebody, somebody might say that. Uh, we can see that a lot. It's the contrast, generally, between them that makes it, you know, interesting to see. Now, when it comes to characters there's a lot of um, reasons why and I think that the villain is having uh, you know their own moment because of uh, many of us are realizing that nobody is perfect or nobody is a good guy you can't always be a good guy that was a lie that we thought w that everybody taught us when we were kids sure the hero is cool um, the hero saves people the hero is here to help the entire universe. They're always good. They're always there to help each other. And they're always trying to do the best thing. And that's true. We always try to... Uh, we always tend to be the good guy. But it's not always possible. 
in that case, it's probably why a lot of people think that the villain is cool. Because we're not always, um, you know, like we try to be good, but it's not always the case. Now, I love how the writer write the character or the villain character without having to deal with the bad side of it or being a, oh yeah, I am an uh, outlaw. Um, it's really interesting to see. Uh, a quote that I really enjoy and like is from Sh uh, Jim Moriarty in Sherlock. And he is one of the most villainous um, characters when it comes to movie and uh, overall in writing in general. He says, every fairy tale needs a good old-fashioned villain. You need me or you're nothing. Because we're just alike, you and I. Except you're boring. You're on the side of the angels. And that is pretty much how I will, you know, make it as a conclusion for how relatable the the villain is. The villain and the hero need each other to push the plot further. It's just really interesting to see how villains are portrayed in general. And how the contrast between villains and, and, and heroes is quite interesting, in my opinion. Especially because they do share the same uh, assets or the same characters. They, all, they are both smart. They're both uh, trying hard enough. It's just that the, the way they do it might be controversial for some. Villains are generally what make or break a film. A good villain can carry a film, especially if they are in the form of an anti-hero, you know, that completely differentiates itself from the hero of the story. Uh, villains are depicted in lots of different ways, as we've seen before, whether that they be physical, psychological, um, and it's the villain who can be the deciding factor on whether or not the story telling is worth watching. We might even say that villains spice up the storyline. For instance, Scar, you know, he's a great villain. Um, he provoked a lot of emotional damage uh, when I was a kid and still to this day I cannot recover from what he's done. But he is truly a great evil. Um, you know, it's just interesting to see that there's a difference or controversy when it comes to villains, when it comes to uh, a well-written villain and the sympathetic villain. Now, for me, for instance, Thanos is a well-written villain because even though he is cruel and his actions are, well, you know, understandable from his eyes, um, he is well-written because he has a purpose. Another case of sympathetic villains is just when writers are trying to justify the actions of the villain, you know, and it comes off really dangerous at times. For instance, with um, in 13 Reasons Why, when um, Bryce or Joe from You has certain of this redemption arc when it comes to villains. There is a need to explain villainous actions, you know, but there is no reason to justify it, especially when they're um, not quite healthy. Now, I can do a whole episode about Joe's 
uh, Joe Spielberg from New, um, because he he puts a lot of people in this dilemma because in in throughout the whole seasons we are supposed to feel bad for him, you know, because you know he's the main character. We should feel bad for him, but should we really? Um, I would link down below a video of uh, Shanice or Shakespeare, sorry. Shanice, Shakespeare. Uh, she's an amazing YouTube creator, and I've uh, watched her YouTube video about, uh, you know, this whole problem about um, Joe Spielberg and the show You and in general. And I loved it and enjoyed it, and she makes really good points. So I might, um, I'm gonna link it down below, as well as on the website for if you want to visit the website for further information about my opinion and other resources that I will be linking down below and on the website as well. Now, for the sympathetic villain trope, it has kind of weirdly backfired, you know? Uh, back then, it, it was Hollywood's way to make their films less one-dimensional, uh, but it's really only appealing to um, a certain extent and propagating an objectivist, uh, you know, viewpoint. Um, I mean... I mean, like, if you look at a lot of um, villains, <clears throat> they go on with the fact that um, there's a lot of bad past. That's the only reason why evil or villains are there. Now, I understand that we should be um, compassionate, and it's really interesting when it's done properly. But my issue is that sometimes people are just bad for the sake of being bad. Um, now, for instance... Uh, uh, um, like if we talk about the Joker, right? For me, Heath Ledger's Joker is perfect, and Nolan seems to reject the necessity for an origin story, which I admired. Um, uh, Joker just gives multiple uh origin stories or rather issues in the film, and none of them really matter because he does what he does in the movie on purpose you know it just really is annoying to see a lot of the um, villains have origin story now i'm not saying that it shouldn't be done it should be done if the villain is written properly and well done like in the case of uh the joker and uh, christopher nolan's version joe goldberg from you is um sympathetic to a certain extent because they added trait, uh, traits to, to him to help us or make him feel that way um, when he talks about the uh, uh, his mommy issues or how he grew up and stuff like that. So it makes him, makes us, uh, you know, feel bad for him or uh, it's it just, you know, interesting to have the, uh, the overlook of... Um, evil and villain in movies it's really interesting to put on perspective the villain sympathetic and the well-written villain for me adding adding an origin story or backstory for a villain just so that i can feel bad for him because they went through trauma that's not really what I'm looking for when it comes to movies. But when it's done properly, like I said, with Thanos or the Joker, or even to some extent, um, uh, Cruella de Vil and um, 
you know, other heroes, or uh, sorry, villains, uh, it's really interesting to see. We can't talk about movies and criticize villains without having heroes, you know. It's the balance between the good and the bad. It's in real life and it's also reflective in movies as well. Now, I would love to hear your opinion. What is your favorite villain? For me, I tend to go for Loki from the uh, Marvel or the MCU. Or maybe Thanos. They're both in that, um, you know, I think it's most of Thanos and Loki for me. I'd love to hear your opinion and hear your answer. Please make sure to do that either by commenting on Instagram on the post that I will be posting or commenting on the website as well or anywhere. Or like shoot me a message. We can have a discussion. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking about um, this topic. I really, uh, you know, it's a controversial topic and um, it's really interesting to see the opinions of people. Uh, but yeah, that's all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to follow, like, and share the episodes with your friends and families. That would help tremendously with the algorithm and also with my, you know, <laughs> with me. Um, I appreciate the feedback that comes in from a lot of you listeners. And if you're new here, welcome. And um, hopefully I can see you next Friday. Until then, peace. <laughs>